You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello to all of my rich and powerful friends and listeners. This is the Faith Matters Podcast. Global Finance Magazine ranks Ireland as the third richest country in the world, ranked by purchasing power. I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that number. And that's not to say that every individual citizen in the country feels wealthy. The magazine goes on to state, with a considerable gap between the richest and the poorest, the top 20% of the population earns almost five times as much as the bottom 20%. Most families would balk at the idea that they are wealthy. In fact, Ireland is the one of the world's largest tax havens and home to a number of multinational corporations which hold and control much of the wealth in the country. Uh, Nevertheless, there are many wealthy individuals among us, and I believe there are something like 17 billionaires in the country, and so there there is wealth held by individuals, and I want to speak to those wealthy among us. Though I hold no illusions that a wealthy person is going to pause to listen to this podcast. Be that as it may, Psalm 49 lays out for us expresses the biblical worldview concerning wealth. And the message of Psalm 49 is, Seek wisdom, not riches. And Psalm 49 is a poem that has an introduction in the first four verses and is followed by two stanzas. And the introduction goes like this, Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable, and I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. And so this is a psalm that is, uh, that is addressed to all the inhabitants of the world and to the whole economic spectrum. He says both to the low and the high and to the rich and the poor. He wants to address everybody. And so this is timeless, universal wisdom for all people. You know, it's interesting that the things that they were struggling with, something like 3,000 or 3,500 years ago when Psalm 49 was written, are the same life questions and the same uh, problems and dilemmas that we face today um, concerning wealth. And the psalmist aims to speak wisdom and understanding, he says, and to extend a proverb and to open a dark saying or a riddle. And a riddle is an enigmatic statement, a question, or story whose meaning must be interpreted by the audience. So he sets forth the problem for us, makes some commentary on it, and leaves us to contemplate the, uh, the, the meaning of the riddle. And the riddle, or the dark saying, is given in the very last verse of the psalm, verse 20, which says, Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Now there's the riddle. Man, though wealthy, dies like the beast of the field who has no understanding. So how is it that a man in all of his glory and, and clout and wealth that he has and all of the uh, wisdom that he's accrued through the experience of life can die and be no different from the cow or the sheep that dies out in the field and uh, leaves this life with nothing. 
And so this is the contemplation of the psalmist here. And indeed, we can contemplate this dilemma for us today. And so it's phrased like this. Here's the first stanza, verses 5 through 12. And verse 5 says, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? And so the psalmist sets forth the dilemma of, why should I fear in the day of evil? That's the common dilemma that we, we all have to come to terms with. The days of evil is the uncertain future. It's old age. It's an untimely death. It's a time of reckoning. It's something that everybody in their lifetime thinks about. What is to become of me after death when I die? These days of evil, as it were. And then, when you have an awareness of dying in your iniquity and, or sin, as the psalmist contemplates here, it leads to the prospect of redemption, and further to the means of redemption. And so I'm sure everybody in their lifetime, whether poor or rich, contemplates what's going to come of me in the afterlife. What will happen to me? How will I be treated? And what will God think of me? Will God accept me in the afterlife? And he says in verse 6, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. And so he says here that Basically, he says in verse 6, the wealthy trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. There's something about the wealthy that the wealthy have this implicit assumption that somehow they're going to fare better than everyone else in the afterlife because of their present earthly wealth and status. The wealthy just, just have this status And people look up to them, and people treat them differently because of the wealth that they hold. And their clout, their clout in this life, the wealth that they had, it purchased for them favor, purchases high standing and comfort, vast lands in this life. And then, yet their lack of understanding leads them to believe it will aid them in the next life. And so they have this idea that because they've been accepted by people, because they have such clout in this life, somehow they have a leg up in the next life. And so rich people have a tendency to trust in their wealth. And that's the false thinking that the psalmist is looking to address here. And he addresses that in verse 7, and he says, None of them can by any means redeem his brother. 
uh, nor give to God a ransom for him. And so a ransom is buying back, uh, redeeming is buying back. It is basically purchasing the slave back from the slave market, and that was the ancient meaning of the word redeem, and it's the same idea when we think of uh, redemption today. And he says no one can, a rich person cannot even redeem his brother or his friend with his riches, let alone himself. And so in terms of the afterlife, a rich man's riches are completely uh, useless and meaningless. Material wealth could redeem a slave in the ancient world, but it becomes meaningless or nothingness to secure immortality. And so for rich people who tend to rely and trust in some way on their riches, rich people are to know that their riches mean nothing in terms of the redemption of their souls and in terms of the afterlife. And we see that the value of the soul is beyond comparison. Here in verse 8, For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. And so the redemption of the soul is precious. The value of the soul is much too high for anything in this world to redeem it. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, For what is a man profited... If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing that a man can give in exchange for his own soul. If he could, he would give everything for his soul because it's so precious. And so there's no amount of gold or silver or dollars or euros uh, or some large bank account or trust fund that is going to redeem a person's soul in the afterlife. And this world, this present life, is but for a moment. It's like the vapor that appears for a little moment and then vanishes away. And the afterlife is forever and ever. And so the afterlife is really what matters in the grand scheme of things. So one who trusts in his wealth is utterly foolish and devoid of understanding. It's kind of like the woman who put her husband's valuable things up in the attic, and then uh, one day he passed away, and she ran up to the attic to check and see if he grabbed his things on the way up, and there was the chest still there. And she said to herself, I knew I should have put that in the basement. (laughs) You'll never see anybody dragging along a a chest of gold or a a treasure chest um, with them after death. Wealthy people can have the tendency to think that they are the ones favored by God, and why, why wouldn't they? Why would the wealthy not think that they'll somehow be favored by God? After all, they've been favored by people all of their lives, or at least since they've attained their wealth. And uh, so many people in this life have valued them and favored them and looked up to them because of their wealth. But you know what? Death is the great leveler. Death levels all economic distinctions and uh, differences. Well, stanza one is riches cannot buy redemption. Stanza two, verses 13 through 20, is trust in God, not in wealth. And here are verses 13 and 14. 
This their way is their folly, yet their prosperity approve their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. And so in these two verses, the psalmist personifies death as a shepherd who is leading the foolish, the sheep, to the grave. And that's where the rich are headed. They're headed to the grave. In fact, we all are. But as far as the the rich go, their riches aren't going to save them. And so here is death like the shepherd leading the foolish to their grave, where their glory and their beauty are going to rot away and be no more. And so he says, death shall feed on them. That's a grim picture. And verse 15 answers the statement by claiming faith or trust in God. Verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. This is kind of a startling statement after the pessimism of the previous verses where he said, uh, Your money can't redeem you. You don't have enough money to redeem your friend or your brother, let alone yourself. And here in verse 15 he says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. The psalmist here isn't really trying to uh, solve the riddle um, or, you know, come up with the answer to this. He's simply leaving it to God. And he's saying, I'm going to trust in God. My riches aren't going to get me anything. But if I trust in God, he will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Riches aren't powerful enough to rescue you from the power of the grave. Only God is. So trusting God, not riches. And don't trust in wealth because wealth only serves the present life. The rich cannot carry their riches to glory with them, but instead they leave it to their children to be blinded in the same way. And he says in verse 17, For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers, and they shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. And so we see generational foolishness here. The rich man, he follows his father in the grave, and his glory cannot follow him. You know, people might put up a statue uh, for some worthy person um, or some uh, wealthy, uh, powerful, uh, influential person, but they themselves rot in the grave and follow their fathers in their foolishness. Um, having trusted in their wealth. And not only that, but they leave their lands to their children who will follow them blindly. And so uh, here a wealthy person leaves a huge sum, a huge inheritance to his son, and his son is blinded by his wealth just like his father. And so there's this generational um, foolishness that goes along with having wealth 
and generation after generation, people go down into the grave in ignorance, having trusted their wealth. But all of them meet the same grim demise. They shall never see light. And sadly, so many wealthy people in our world today are going to go down into the grave and never see light. They had their day, they had their best life here on this earth, and there's no light waiting for them on the other side. So here's the conclusion of the matter. Everyone is going to die, even the wealthy who unwisely trust in their riches. Don't think that a wealthy person doesn't sit around and contemplate their demise. They do because they're going to die the same way as every poor person who dies in their poverty and their, all their wealth that they've accumulated can do nothing to alleviate that. Therefore, do not put your trust in wealth. Do not fear death, but trust in God. So don't trust in your wealth. Rather, trust in God. And if this psalm teaches us anything, it teaches us not to seek wealth, but to seek after wisdom. And we have wisdom right here in this Bible. This is the place to find wisdom for this life and wisdom for the next life. Let me read for you Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 8. This is wisdom crying out, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. And so seek after wisdom, because in death your riches are meaningless. They serve you only in this life. Jesus said, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God because they're trusting in their wealth rather than in God. But he went on to say, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so God is able to change the heart of a rich man to turn his trust from his riches and to God and his son, Jesus Christ. So what are you trusting in?